Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com. I'm very happy to moderate our opening session of the day, which will look at the gap, some might call it a chasm, between communications roles and business leadership. Every year, Provoke Media produces the Influence 100 list of the world's top in-house communicators. And as part of that, we feature the crossover stars, those executives who have moved from a communications background into genuine business leadership roles at major companies. As you might imagine, over the decade we have been running it, there are not many crossover stars, but we are very lucky to have one of these unicorns. With us today, Jackson J. Nigam is VP and GM of the direct-to-consumer businesses at the Clorox Company, including retail brands Burt's Bees and Brita, and divisions such as Pet Care and Cleaning. Jackson, welcome. You took on the role at Clorox in 2019, I believe, after in-house digital marketing roles at Chipotle and Boxed. But of course, your early career includes significant stints at PR agencies, Taylor and We Communications. So the first question, after welcoming you, I would ask, from your perspective, we see people moving into these roles from many other functions, from sales, finance, legal, even marketing. Why do so few communications people make that leap into P&L roles on the in-house side? Yeah, everyone, first off, thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Good to reconnect with you after uh, it's been a while, I think, uh, especially with COVID. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, listen, Arun, we, we talked a little bit about this. Part of it's luck and timing, for sure, right? Like, you know, it just is what it is. And I think part of it's, I think, comms folks, I'm generalizing here, the ones that see the opportunities and take advantage of it, you know, I always say swim with the current, not against it. And if you start to see the industry's changing, start to see opportunities, you and I both witnessed social media and digital completely change the whole landscape in a way that we haven't seen it probably in decades, maybe since broadcast uh, television got introduced. And I think that was an opportunity for comms folks. And, and that was the first phase. I think it's still happening. So I would say one of the biggest things um, and one of the biggest things holding comms focus facts is we get pigeonheld and we get perceived as not understanding the business, not being on to trends that impact the business on the top line. Um, we're, we're constantly always perceived, I think, as you know, the folks who can create a message or protect around a brand reputation or handle any kind of crisis. And, and maybe now social media perhaps manage influencers and influencer strategy, but it, it generally, generally stops there. What I've seen is for the most part, and I've seen this from when I was, I was at Chipotle, I was at a startup called Boxed, uh, and now at Clorox, it's pretty much the same perception, right? Even though I'm constantly like, well, that's not all comms folks. That's not the, the, the PR industry is much bigger than that. But I don't think we always do it. I consider myself still a comms person and at heart. We don't do ourselves favors by, by uh, I would say, sticking with the conversations we know. I don't think we are good enough about getting outside of our little area and saying, well, how is this going to impact the business? What are the new things that are happening that might intersect with what we're doing? And how can I help present that to my client? Because being on the agency side is a whole other challenge, right? In terms of making that crossover. If you're in-house, it's a little bit easier. 
Um, and, and I would say that's been the biggest thing that I've seen from my experience. And the thing I had to overcome was this perception that you're the message creator. You're the, you're the person who spins things for us. You're the person who can prevent us from, from you know, uh, ending up in a bad place, but uh, not necessarily the one who's going to drive the business, um, certainly on the top line when it comes to revenue. And we can go into detail there because there's a lot there to unpack. I went really high level, but I think that's what I've seen the most uh, the, as the biggest challenge. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, if, if that's the biggest blind spot that comes is not seen as being a big driver of business value, do you think it's easily fixed? And, and maybe to start that question, do you feel the capabilities are there on the comm side to prove that it is driving business value? Yeah, that's a hard one, right? Because I feel like I want to say at a high level, I'm not sure, right? Because it's such a broad category of all types of good actors, bad actors in our industry, as we both know, right? Um, so it, it might be better talked about an individual level, right? So I'm talking to all those individuals out there, right? Who are like, well, because there are some comms folks who just love comms. I know them. And some of them are some of my best friends. They love doing comms. They love the role it, they play. And they know the influence that they can have um, across the board, right? For sure. Period. End of story. And that is very, very much a fact. But there are others I know that are like, well, I, you know, I love comms. It's been great, but I want to move on. I want to get into a general marketing role, which, you know, can obviously have a nice pathway to a CMO role or again, to general marketing or general business eventually. Uh, and then to run, run an organization, right? As a CEO or COO, um, chief of staff, arguably. Um, and I think this on the individual level, uh, I, I'll focus on right now because I think generally as an industry, it's very hard and we can talk more specifically around that. I think the other thing holding individual comms folks back, and I learned this the hard way at one of my agencies uh, at Taylor, was the numbers. I think we're also not seen as understanding the numbers. We're not quantum. But, and Arun, every time I'm meeting with a comms and a PR person, and I hear this once a year at least, someone says they make a mistake on a number or they misinterpret a number and they say, oh, I'm a PR person. I don't understand numbers. Every time a comment like that is said, it just, it sets us back like you know, years, right? Because it just, it just adds a perception like, oh yeah, you're just the person to spin the words or to message something or to come up with a great campaign that gets, uh, you know, a lot of people talking about us, but not connecting the dots to driving the business, which is not true. We both, you and I both know that's not the fact, but when someone says that every time a comment's made, it, it, it removes us to the industry. And of course, for that individual, it moves them farther away from the potential to be seen as a business leader. And I think that's one of the biggest um, opportunities is for us to get closer to the numbers as an industry and as individuals. Uh, Taylor, my CEO over there, Tony, he was always great about pushing us to understand how the market was moving, understand that this implication of, of earnings and EPS and on a quarterly basis, understand where the business is going, even if we didn't have a direct tie-in with the campaigns, understand that and having that context as we talk through ideas um, and recommendations actually was a great learning for me, right? Uh, because I'm like, oh, now I can think about it, not just from my PR manager client's perspective, but how is this going to drive the business? Oh, I know you might have a shortage over here. There might be some supply chain challenges over here. You might have some global impact at your, your business in Europe over here, which might impact some of the recommendations I'm making here, right? So that, I think, is, is one of the most critical pieces that any comms or PR person can do right now. They can just start to learn their clients or their brand's business, pay attention to their earnings reports, pay attention to numbers, and then really dig in deep into the P&L. And I think that's that step I, I can't say enough about because that that will change the conversation uh, in the room with the C-suite and with the executives. Mm. So, so much of what you do, do now is about, is about driving conversion. Obviously, you're, you're overseeing um, e-commerce businesses um, and, and direct-to-consumer. Do you feel that the PR industry, for example, is doing a good enough job um, when it comes to that link between, for example, content to conversion? 
And, and certainly from your background, you know, you were in digital marketing roles, for example, when you were PR agency side as well. So you presumably would have been in a position to lead that kind of activity. Do you feel that um, there's improvements needed there as well? Yeah, that's a great, great point. I think that, uh, I wouldn't say improvements, I would say it's an opportunity to build upon. I would say what I saw 18 years ago, I feel like I'm an OG in social media, Arun, you know, we've talked about this, like I started doing it in 2002, launching my brands on Friendster and, and MySpace. I'm very, very much aging myself right now, saying these platforms and Twitter Friendster. and Wikipedia. Uh -huh. Yeah, remember Friendster? And we did some things, like I'm ashamed to tell you what I did. I was creating like fake profiles of pe people, of customers we wanted to kind of attract and create fake profiles on MySpace on them and then befriended people. I mean, it's 2003, or no, 2004. No, there was no rules, right? No one knew any better. Yeah, there was no advertising. So it's like on MySpace. So how, how, do I, how do we do this? So, but my point is, I think you're, you're nailing something really interesting. The content piece for a long time was like, well, who's going to own content, right? In this new social media digital world. And I think comms and PR agencies, many of them took full advantage of that. And I think they're, I would argue, they're right there in the conversation with all the big digital advertising agencies and, 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 the, and the content creators that are out there. Now, I'm speaking more from the agency perspective, but I think as an industry, that also helps comms folks internally, right? If people see, oh, these the PR agencies, content agencies we have now, um, we feel very confident in how they're leading social media and driving content creation, content strategy. There's a, there's a halo effect to anyone who's in a comms role. Why that's important, as you just said, is over the last 10 years, it went from content as an impression driver, as a brand awareness thing, as a, oh, we got a bunch of shares on social media, right? That's all everyone cared about. And then it moved into the last five years, and certainly the last two years, which is my world, e-commerce. There is no way you build and scale an e-commerce business in any um, sector, in any vertical, no matter if you're a startup, a Ruin and Jackson startup, or you're Nike you need to have a very smart uh, content strategy to drive conversion at the bottom of the funnel, right? Which means real customers, real dollars, uh, profitability impact. And I would argue comms and PR folks are in, a, in as good a position as we've ever been to be the ones to drive a lot of that, if not all of that, in terms of what that means from an SEO standpoint, what that means in terms of cost of acquisition, because in e-commerce, cost to acquire and LTV is a very important factor. And with Facebook and Google, especially Facebook going through the roof, CPMs are five, six times what they were two years ago. This is a massive moment for comms people to say, hey, there's value in organic content. SEO and organic content go hand in hand. One of the biggest drivers of organic content is PR. It's not only inbound authoritative links from, from media, but it's also content you create that gets a lot of shares and gets a lot of engagement um, through media, through influencers, and, and nothing is a bigger driver of organic content than that. So we're right in the middle of that. And, and you're talking about a time when everyone's trying to figure out how do I build my brand? I get more traffic. Everyone's in e-commerce now after COVID, every single company. I mean, even Coke is on e-commerce, right? Like, so you have brands that five years ago were never really thinking about it. Now it's one of their primary channels and it's mentioned in every earnings report. So we're in the middle of that conversation. What an amazing opportunity to bridge that gap to say, if we're the content drivers, we're helping you drive conversion. We understand the power of organic. We understand how it complements all the other channels you're using. And by the way, those other channels you're using have become less efficient. You need us to help kind of balance out that, the, the cost and, 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 and the P&L now what a great opportunity to dig in deeper into like, well, if that's the case, how else can we get closer to the P&L? We know this is such a big driver of customers and retention. What are the other elements that go into that, that comms and PR naturally should be driving? And to me, that is a really important point that you just brought up and a really great opportunity for agencies and individual comms folks who are interested in this to, to bridge that gap and go deeper into omnichannel e-com with content and even traditional PR as kind of the, the, the catalyst uh, to bridge the gap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is very interesting. And we could go down a real kind of rabbit hole in terms of 
content to conversion. I, I do have another question on that, but I'll come back to it, I think, because I don't want to go too deep into it just yet. Um, coming back to your initial point, uh, you said that, you know, for, for the most part, what you've seen on the corporate side is that communications is still seen largely uh, in terms of messaging and to use that awful word spin. Um, if that's the case, how does that impact, for example, the role of in-house communi communicators? Uh, how does it impact the role of PR agencies? Does it kind of limit um, their ability to, I suppose, expand their own influence within these organizations? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> my comment is very general, right? So there are certain industries where comms and PR is central to what they do. I think technology uses mm -hmm. as, as a vertical is one of the most progressive in the way they think about comms and, and, and PR. So certainly I'm talking about it very broadly. I think, for instance, a lot of startups don't often see the real value. Um, but uh, and, and in finance sectors, um, in CPG, I think comms is more corporate, uh, uh, corp comms and IR versus product related. So there's a lot of like subgenres and conversations we can go down that path in terms of the perception. But yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, I think that that is a challenge for sure. And, and for internal corp folks, uh, I think the biggest opportunity for them is, as I've looked at it is when they're like, sometimes, as you know, corp comms leaders within a, in an organization either report to the CMO or they report right into the CEO. And I think when you see it reporting to the CEO, clearly it, it's obvious where they put the place the value. When you see it reporting to CMO, it doesn't mean there's less value. I mean, I manage corp comms and PR uh, at the last uh, company I was at as well. And I think that's tremendous value there. But I think it's so critical for the corp comms group to not only have a tie into marketing, obviously, right? Clearly, corp comms and marketing go hand in hand but into the product teams, whether it's digital product or physical product, into R&D teams, into uh, the operations team, especially, I mean, supply chain in five years ago was not a sexy topic. Now, it's not just a reactive topic, like, oh my God, we're not gonna have enough products for the next two quarters. It's like, hey, there's a proactive opportunity for every business to reinvent their supply chain and think about their logistics from a fulfillment standpoint, last mile standpoint, and from a sourcing standpoint. What does that mean for North America and opportunities in America for America supply chain um, businesses? So what a great opportunity for a comms person sitting right there looking at all these pieces like, hey, now, how do we start to think about connecting the dots? And I think that's what comms does better than any industry or any function is connect the dots. So I would say that's the opportunity for anyone in, in comms internally is to be closer to all the functions. Um, and that also sets you up to be a great business leader, right? When you understand all the functions, which is why generally COOs, chief of, uh, operating officers come up from ops because they understand every piece of the business. So I don't mm -hmm. know if that answered your question, but I think that's the opportunity coming out of where we are now and, and what I see to get away from it's the guys we bring in when there's a, a crisis or it's the ones we bring in to, you know, get a lot of awareness around a big launch. That's great. But even sometimes that is kind of an afterthought or it's the ones just to make a mess less messier. Right. Um, but the opportunities to be far more proactive and connect the dots between the business lines, especially when we're in a, in a time like this, which is, I mean, we're rife with a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of variables right now. You have a lot of cash, a lot of institutional cash going around foreseeably for, for, for a few quarters inflation is going to go up. So what's that going to mean? There's not enough jobs out there, or not enough people for jobs, and you've made major supply chain issues. I think comms is a great role right now in any industry, whether you're technology, uh, consumer goods, uh, services, whatnot, to play a very proactive role in connecting the dots there. Um, mm. so. Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a really good answer and a, and a really important point, because often when we talk about the value of communications, of communicators, it's often framed in terms of reputation, in terms of crisis, in yes. terms of that c-suite council right and it's not framed as often in terms of the things you've just mentioned connecting the dots between different business functions and indeed getting closer 
to them. One of the things we found um, from our research uh, during the pandemic is that certainly the value um, as people in the PR industry and the comms industry see it, they see their value, um, whether as individuals or as a function, has risen significantly through the pandemic because of the importance of you know, the full stakeholder spectrum, um, because of you know, the, certain types of communication has become more important than consumer marketing, for example. Uh, reputation in general, crisis, employee engagement, all of those things have become so important. Um, have you seen that as well? And perhaps more importantly, do you think it will persist? So which part of Ruin? Have I seen more focus on internal comms and playing games? Have you seen the overall value of communications rise as a result of the issues that have um, come to the forefront yeah. during the pandemic? Got it. So generally speaking, comms. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't necessarily seen, um, how do I say this? I haven't necessarily seen the perception of the function rise. I've seen the strategy of comms rise, if that makes sense. I think those are two different things, right? Mm -hmm. I think what you're starting to see is a lot of businesses understand and think through a comms lens, right? Because you have a younger consumer and an older consumer is much more active on social media, much more aware, much more in tune with what brands are saying, um, which is super interesting. This is actually a fascinating point. So by nature, last few years, the good CEOs, the good leadership team, the good boards, right, have adapted like, oh, we need to be start thinking about things in a much more thoughtful, sensitive, empathetic way, right, across the line, right, with our employees, with how we communicate product launches, how we think about everything, how things impact different consumers and different audiences. I don't know if I've seen that. And now to be clear, I'm not as close to the comms world as I once was, right? Mm -hmm. Like comms reports. And to me, I have, I have as one of my many functions, but I'm not as tied into it. So you, you'd have to give me, you know, tell me, keep me honest here, room. I would say as a function, I don't know if we as a function have been elevated to that level of importance that comms has already been elevated to as a business. Meaning what I see is a lot of that the comm strategy and thinking at that level you're talking about, right? Given the state of the world and where we are and where we will be in for a while, I think, done at the C-suite level. Um, mm -hmm. And I see it done with CEOs and maybe with a CMO, maybe with a board, mm -hmm. maybe with an advisor, and yeah, perhaps have outside counsel. But it's not like, not what I've seen, and I advise a lot of companies on the board of Goodwill is from, I'm in now in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Just from where I've seen all the places that, and I sit, I don't see those executives the first thing they think about is like, let me go talk to my head of comms. Mm -hmm. Let me go talk to my, my agency. I, I think those conversations are happening in the C-suite with the, the board members with the right people and, and may or may not include someone with a comms background who has comms experience, but that's not that connection. So yeah, I hope I'm making myself clear here, right? Like I think that- Yeah, you are very much. Yeah. But I don't think the function has come up with it, which is a shame. Now, I think, it, I think tech is very interesting. Tech is different. I think comms and tech have always been like, you know, it seems like, you know, tech leaders understand the value of comms and comms people, right? Integrated comms mm -hmm. people, whatever you want to call them, agencies. But other industries, I don't know if I've seen that around, but the need for it, for sure, it, it is right here and it will continue to be. I mean, look what happened with Netflix, right? I'm, I don't know if anyone from Netflix on watching, but that, that was a, a big misstep for many reasons, right? With the Dave Chappelle mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, launch and, and all the feedback they had from, from consumers and their employees. And the way they handled that at executive level felt a little bit, uh, what's the word, you know, insensitive. Uh, mm -hmm. at the very least right and and, and of sure. course i could say a lot of other things right and but like man if you had thought about that with an empathetic heart and thought about that from your consumer and your employees perspective you might have gone about it differently and maybe if you had the right person next to you right maybe you would have had a different kind of answer so that's just one example of like wow that happens all the time and, and you know yes that's a crisis but my point is there's there's lots of variables there in terms of proactive reactive 
where it feels like everyone understands it at a business level, but I don't know if the function itself has been elevated as a result of that. Yeah, I think it's a really important point in that you're what you're, I think, basically saying is you're seeing the C-suite, for example, speaking the language of, let's say, public relations or communications, not necessarily relying on the function, though. Um, so almost like a, a decoupling of, of strategy and, uh, and function, which, you know, in some respects is great, but in others is, is right. a little bit worrying. It, well, and that that's what's interesting, right? I think humans don't love change, right? Period. But mm -hmm. it is a change moment. And I actually think it's an opportunity. You're right. It is worrying. But then what a great opportunity. The, it's almost like the seas are parting for anyone who's in cons to think about themselves differently. It doesn't mean you go make up a title for yourself. That's not what I'm saying. But if anything is, is very obvious to me, it's all these titles. You're seeing chief commercial officer, chief growth officer, chief brand officer, all these words to avoid saying chief marketing officer because the scope is changing and how we think about it is changing. That extends to comms as well. So I actually see that as a great opportunity for anyone in the in the industry, whether you're agency or internal, to rebrand yourself and rethink about uh, how you position yourself internally and externally as it relates to the comms and great comms strategy. So it is actually a great opportunity. It just might mean having a different kind of conversation, ironically enough, uh, and, 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 and you know, managing that narrative a little bit differently than we have in the past because the or, opportunity is or like you moving to a PL role. So let's, or, let's talk about yeah. that. Um, I mean, in terms of your own leap, what did you find the biggest challenges were for you in, in making that shift? Uh, well, the first one was, I, hope I, I always offend people, Arun, so I hope I don't offend anyone here, was getting out of agency. I loved agency for 15 years. Mm -hmm. I loved the agency work I did. And I think I told you, the agency experience I had has helped train me to be a PL owner. I'll talk about that in a second. But it, it was getting out of agency and into in-house because I knew to be a PL owner, you had to go in-house. And I, that was actually a hard leap. Now I'd argue right now, the job markets, I've never seen it like this in 20 years, 21 years, I've never seen a market like this. So I think there's a lot more opportunities for folks. But when I was coming out in 2015, mm -hmm. it was hard to go in-house. And I, had to, I just didn't get opportunities. And I was always like, you know, cut out pretty early in the stage or didn't even get callbacks, even though I had all the right experience, I thought, based on the JD. Um, when I got in house at Chipotle, I had to chase the, the recruiter, recruiter down on LinkedIn and, and the hiring manager found him and, and sent him a message. And luckily, I got into the interview process. And then once I got in house, the doors opened. But for me, it was uh, what I said earlier seeing the waves changing. I went from PR to social media and social media influencer in 2004, 2005 to content to digital. And in 2015, when the opportunities were, were starting to come up, I'm head of digital, director of digital marketing, that's what I jumped on. So that was what, what it took, was a shift from just being a PR commerce person to owning all the digital social within the agency side, which a lot of people in the agency side are doing right now. And I think that that will create opportunities. Um, once I got into Chipotle, though, I had to change my mindset from a comms person who's doing digital to a brand person doing digital, right? So it was, it's one brand versus many clients, right? It was understanding the whole business line versus, you know, dipping my toe in here, one client, and then going to another client over here, which is what you do at agency side. And that was the biggest challenge for me. It's like, oh, it's one brand. And I have to be, I have to understand every piece of the brand. In fact, they make us spend the first week at the restaurant, working at the restaurant, serving up guac, serving up burritos. So you can understand the supply chain impact, the consumer impact. And anytime you do a marketing promotion, what that looks like. And then from there, doing digital that opened up the door to more brand work and more brand experience work. Even though I wasn't owning it, um, I just tried to take on more responsibilities wherever I could, building out loyalty, working on e-commerce, which was starting to, to become relevant. And, and that's when I started to think about what is my next role. And then the CMO opportunity presented itself uh, at Box, but only because I was deep in digital and because I was at Chipotle. I would not have gotten the opportunity 
running digital on the agency side. And I think it was a little bit of luck. There's a little bit of hustle on my side, but it was a little bit of also just trying to, to swim with the current and trying to take advantage of what I saw. I didn't know what I want to do at Rune. I definitely didn't want to run a PL at that time. I just wanted to do something that I wasn't doing and I wanted to do it in-house. Um, and that's, that's kind of what created the opportunity. And then that took me to the CMO path, uh, which then I switched into e-commerce as a CMO to e-commerce startup. And that's when I realized, oh, I have to understand numbers at a whole different level, right? Like digital is very quantitative driven, but e-commerce is, is all P&L driven. It is all about the top line and then the, the gross margin you're getting because as a result of the unit economics and I didn't go to grad school. I was not a good student. So that was like my grad school course. So mm -hmm. I would advise everyone who's looking for new roles, looking for opportunities, take on roles that scare you and freak you out. Because that role, both those roles scared me and freaked me out. I knew about 60% of what I was getting myself into. Uh, and I was learning the other 40%. And I think that's what we need to do. Uh, if you're mm -hmm. going to make that switch, especially from agency to in-house and then certainly to a P&L ownership. Mm. And now you're in a, a P&L role. What benefits do you find you're able to bring from that comms background, perhaps, that maybe, you know, people who come from a more conventional marketing background don't have? Yeah, I'd say it's, it's two or three things. Uh, the agency background, as I mentioned earlier, it was massive over and so at agency, you learn so many things about internal comms and client expectations and management and running a P&L at a publicly traded company or running any kind of business especially in a publicly traded uh, uh, environment, it's all about expectation setting. Anyone will tell you that. It's set expectations and over-deliver. That's like the first thing you learn on the agency side. <laughs> it's like set expectations and then over-deliver. Do not uh, set high expectations and under-deliver. And I learned that the hard way many times. So that's one thing because that applies probably, probably the most important thing running a PL is is that, to be really uh, honest, within internally and then within uh, the, the, the financial sector outside with analysts and so forth. Uh, the second piece is just ongoing communications. Like on the agency side, you are forced, if you're good, you're forced to learn how to proactively communicate, get ahead of issues, manage deadlines, manage uh, clients, manage your boss, manage maybe several clients, right? I mean, it, it, is, it is a very hard job, honestly, especially if you have many clients and then many internal clients as well. And communications is everything, um, but not external. It's the simple things like an email, uh, like, like just a heads up on things that I, you don't see a lot around. Sometimes I'm like, how come you didn't tell me this was going to happen? How come I didn't get a heads up on this? And, and as a PL owner, that's one of the most important things. I try to get ahead of those conversations with my boss, with the C-suite. I try to get ahead of when my PL is going to take a dip, when my gross margins are dropping, when I, my admin expenses are too high. All that, yes, those are problems, but everyone understands things are going to happen. But the worst thing you do is not communicate, not get ahead of it, not, not make sure people have clear line of sight into it. And you learn that at agency side. So I'd say that's the second one. And from a comm standpoint, mm -hmm. I would say it's really thinking about everything before it's going to happen. You could say, well, doesn't everyone do that? In comms, I feel like you're trained to anticipate the worst. You're trained to anticipate what's the worst that could happen. And sometimes people, I drive people nuts in board meetings and in executive meetings when I'm like, what about this? What about that? And like, is that really going to happen? Like, yeah, maybe not. But I'm sure if you look at the last 20 things that happened to any company that didn't go over so well, I'm sure there was a moment when they said, well, is this really going to happen? And then it happened, right? So for me, that paranoia <laughs> has actually driven me to get, think ahead of things and get ahead of things and stay ahead of things. And I think that's probably one of the most uh, important things as well uh, as being a PL and a business owner is to just constantly mm -hmm. be thinking. About it. I might not be the one to have to deal with it or do it, but if I can't think about that, I know my team is going to focus on the task at hand and their function. So that's my job is to, to help them kind of see that and help them remove the barriers uh, that are in front of them to, to get the job done. Some of those things may not happen, but comms teaches you that, right? <laughs> I think that it really mm -hmm. does. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting that you refer to the the so-called soft skills, even though of course we know they're not really softer than the hard skills. But you're talking about kind of the skills that revolve around you know behavior and communication, um, you know, rather than than sort of specific expertise, which I think is is really interesting that those were kind of your three points. Um, I've probably got time for for one more question for you. Um, what would you like to see? In your role now, what would you like to see PR agencies do better? And I'm aware you maybe don't work directly with PR agencies now. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but from where you're sitting uh, and given your experience of, of having worked at PR agencies, how do you think they need to evolve? Yeah, you're right. I don't work directly as much with them. So I, I don't want to say anything that I'm sure some people listening are like, oh, we're already doing that. This is this is exactly what we're doing. So, you know, I wouldn't be sensitive I think you, to that. I think you probably have a good idea of, of what they're up yeah. So, so my perception is for the most part, when I see them in the room or when I'm pitched them or even when I talk to them over drinks or whatever is it's really my first point. It's, it's so far removed from the realities of the business or the realities of the business that they're referring to are very to like a consumer uh, launch or to, you know, something that happened recently versus the broader spectrum of the business. Meaning I want to hear them talk about, our earnings. I want to hear them talk about our shareholder interests. I want to hear them talk about global supply chain impact, right? I, I just don't hear that from, from the comms person. Now, I'm not expecting that from my ad agency either. Don't get me wrong. But I think when someone starts truly understanding my business and my industry at that level, um, and they understand rising commodities costs, for instance, and, and labor impact um, at retail stores, which means, you know, what, what is that domino effect on a CBG, for instance, if there is one? What is the opportunity for CBGs? Because if you start there, whatever PR, comms, content, social ideas you come up with will be grounded in something that is truly at the core of the business problem we're trying to solve for or the business problem we need to solve for in the future. So for me, it's that. You don't need to just rattle off the share price and the market cap to me, right? Like that, that, that's great. Anyone can Google that and see that. But if you really spent two hours watching CNBC uh, or reading a couple of articles and understanding the business impact of, of what you can do, even if it's small at this moment, that to me, you already have my attention. Like, okay, you really understand the fundamentals, right? It's like, you know, when Batman goes into the cave against Bane and he, has, he, gets, his, he gets his butt beat by Bane and he gets to go deep into the darkness and comes back stronger. It's kind of like that. Like, that's what I love about going in-house. Like, going deep into the brand, the one brand I'm working on versus my five and understanding all the elements of it and then coming back out and be like, oh, now I can apply comms and social and maybe even some other things that aren't in my wheelhouse. So I think for me, room, that's the biggest thing. But I would say what you just said before this is also important. You talk about hard skills versus soft skills. I actually, we should hit on that because I, I think hard skills is overrated and people mm. might think I'm crazy, yeah. but like hard skills will come and go. The industry is changing. The hard skills I needed and you needed 15 years ago in comms are not the same hard skills now. There might be some overlap, they're just, but they're just not, right? I was pitching media. I was even faxing media in 2002, right? Like, come on. Uh, you tell any of your, your younger PR folks now, they're like, I've never even seen a fax machine, right? So like, it's, it's a very different time, but the softer skills, those are things that allow you to adapt and be versatile. So when I hire, for instance, I look for versatility. It's one of the three traits I look for because I know those softer skills are going to be enable you to be successful no matter what happens in industry. So I think those two kind of go hand in hand. It's mm -hmm. like, well, you need to be able to adapt um, and, and learn and, and communicate, uh, but you also have to need to understand my business and my industry at a much broader level than marketing mm -hmm. and comms. That really, really useful advice there, Jackson. I'm afraid um, we're out of time, but... I think some really important lessons there and, and ending um, uh, on your advice in terms of adaptability, 
versatility and to be more like Batman, I think is, is <laughs> good advice as any. Jackson, thank you so much um, for your time. Thank today. you, been listening to the Provoke podcast brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy to use PR software. Get a free demo today at notified.com.